Uh, thanks to Fuzz and uh, Nev on the desk as well, and to the guys who are taking our children's work this morning. It's really a team effort, isn't it, to make a Sunday work and to make a Sunday come together. So thanks for those guys. Uh, it really is great to be uh, with you all here this morning and also to see some familiar faces and catch up with a couple of people. Uh, so thank you for having me and, and for the warm welcome I've received. Now let's just have a wee Bible quiz knowledge to start us off. Uh, I don't have any prizes. This isn't Sunday school, okay? But uh, the only thing you'll win is that kind of slight warm fuzzy feeling inside of, of knowing you're right. Uh, so a question, how many books are in the Bible? This will work better if someone shouts it out. And we'll all know how smart you are. 66, excellent, it was someone over here. Well done, yeah. Now, 66 books make up that one big book, but if we then divide it up into the Old Testament and the New Testament, how many books are in the Old Testament? 39, 39 thank you. And how many books in the New Testament? And that's just a maths question now, isn't it? But maths is hard for people in Carrick, obviously, so. <laughs> 27, thank you so much, yeah. Okay, last question. How many of those 66 books have you read? So I didn't really hear any answer that time. That was just a reflective question, something to, to think about. Maybe you've read all of them. Maybe you've, on one of those people, you've read through the Bible. Maybe you've done, taken part in one of those projects, like reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, maybe you've never read a book from within the book of the Bible in its entirety. Well, if you fall into that category, this week and next we're gonna change that because we're gonna read a full book this week and a full book next week. So this week we're gonna read Romans and I'm just gonna read for the whole time that we've got together. No, we're not, we're gonna take two small books and in each of these books just see if there's any lessons in there for us. So it's little books and big lessons. So today's little book with a big lesson is called Philemon. But before we open the Bible and we read it together, let's just pray and ask God to help us as we read his word. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning we uh, thank you for the opportunity we have to be together as your people. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to praise you, to sing together, to fellowship together. And God, we thank you now for the opportunity to read your word together. God, your word is living and active. So God, we ask that you would speak today through it. God, would you give us open ears to hear and would you give us soft hearts to respond to what you are saying to us this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you want to turn, if you've got a Bible with you, then you can turn to the book of uh, Philemon. If you don't, don't worry, the text is going to be up on the screen uh, behind me. It, it's a very small letter, and it's, if you find the book of Titus, it's just after that. If you get to the book of Hebrews, and it's just before it. And we're going to read this through in its entirety. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you from my child Anesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. There we go. So we have read a full book together. Maybe that might have been your first book that you've read. Well, that's one of the shortest ones in the Bible. But what is this short letter about? You know, why should we be interested in it? Why should we read it together? Why is it even included there in the Bible? Well, if you want to understand a passage in the Bible, you need to ask some questions about it. In fact, that's really a a kind of a top tip. If you want to get more out of your Bible reading, then simply read it and ask questions of the text that you're reading. Any question, it starts with one of the five W's and an H. That's usually a good question to ask. Does anyone know what the five W's and an H are? Who, what, where? When, why? Who, how for the H. Yeah, we got there in the end. But six, those six words. If your question begins with one of those words, then it will lead you to getting more out of the text. So let me ask uh, some simple questions to start. Who wrote this letter? As you read those verses, who wrote the letter? Now, don't look at me, but actually, if you've got a text in front of you, look down at the text. Well, it told us who wrote it, didn't it? And we saw it there in verse one. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, Paul is the one writing this letter and Timothy is the one who is his 
scribe in a sense. He's the one who's being dictated to. He's writing it for him. So it's written by Paul. Well, another who question, who was it written to? Well, we see that, don't we, in the next part of the verse. We see, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So although Aphia and Archippus, and forgive me, I'm probably not saying those correctly, and the church are mentioned here in verse 2, most of the letter, you might have noticed, is written in a singular form. It's really Paul writing a letter directly to a man named Philemon. Although the contents that we can tell from what was written there is going to be shared with the church. It's going to be a public letter. Well, is there anything in here to tell us when the letter was maybe written? Or did you notice maybe how Paul described himself? What was some of the ways that Paul described himself in those verses? Did you notice? A prisoner, yeah, we saw it actually several times through the letter. He said in verse 1, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Verse 9, a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Verse 10, Anesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. We know also from the letter of Second Timothy that there's someone mentioned at the end of this letter called Demas, and he's deserts Paul. He leaves Paul and goes and does his own thing. So this letter must have been written before that happened. So then we can assume then that this is written under Paul's imprisonment, in his first imprisonment before Demas left. And during that time, Paul was under house arrest in Rome. And if we looked outside the Bible and looked about a history, we'd see that was probably around AD 62. And where was Philemon then when this letter was being written? Well, we know he was in the city of Colossae because we can tell that because of the letter of Colossians. And that mentions Archippus, Epaphras, and Aesimus. They are all Colossians and the letter is being written to the church in Colossae. And who hosts part of the church in Colossae? It's Philemon. We see that in verse 2. Well, another question, beginning with one of those W's, why did Paul write this letter? When he'd already written a letter to the churches? Well, the subject of the letter is a man named Onesimus, and we're going to look later on a bit more about that. He was one of Philemon's slaves. He's run away to Rome, and Paul's now sent him back with this letter. He's the subject of the letter. So if we take all that information and we pull it together, that creates a context for us, a context for this letter. And context is important, but to really understand what God is saying, our focus today is going to be looking at what Paul wrote to Philemon and then see if there's any relevance to us today. So the first thing in the letter that we notice is what Paul writes to Philemon in verse 4 to 7. Excuse me. Paul says, I often pray for you. He gives thanks to God for Philemon. And it says, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. Imagine someone saying that about you. Can you imagine someone saying that about you? Hey, I just, I thank God for you. You, I hear how much you love Jesus. I see how you serve God's people. 
What a testimony. Could someone say that about you? Could, I don't think anyone could say that about me. It's clear that Philemon is obviously a good guy. He's a role model. He's a role model for the Christians in Colossae. He, he hosts a church in his house. And Paul goes on in verse 7. Paul says, Philemon has refreshed the hearts of the saints. He's refreshed the hearts of the saints. What a picture. This is someone who loves other Christians and seeks to encourage them. This is someone that you'd probably want to know. This is someone you want to hang around with. This is someone you'd love to have around your church. Someone who refreshes the hearts of the saints. Maybe I can just ask you a personal question, a challenge straight away from the early part of this letter. How can you refresh the hearts of the saints? The saints is just another term used to describe Christians. But how can you and me refresh the hearts of our brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, what are we doing to build up others? What are we doing to encourage others? What are we doing to help other Christians? Are you someone who refreshes the saints or are you someone who maybe wearies the saints? I'm sure if we took time, we could probably think of some Christians who are wearisome. Maybe we could think of more Christians like that than we can think of those who refresh us. But how can we refresh the hearts of our brothers and sisters? It doesn't tell us what Philemon did. It doesn't tell us whether it was through words or actions, but whatever it did, whatever he did, Paul had been told about it. Well, maybe that could be a challenge for each of us this week, couldn't it? What can you and me do this week, even in a small thing, to refresh the hearts of others? Maybe it's a practical demonstration of kindness. Maybe it's just uh, talking with someone. Maybe it could be offering to pray for someone. You know, I think as, as believers, we need to take time to refresh one another. We need to help one another to keep going. Because being a Christian isn't easy. Life isn't easy and our circumstances quite often aren't easy. It can be a hard slog at times. So we need one another in a fellowship like this. We need one another to help each other, to refresh each other, and to encourage one another to push on for Christ. Paul also says this. He says that he asks God that the sharing of Philemon's faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul wants others to come to faith through and put their trust in God through Philemon sharing his. But he also wants him to come to a better understanding of what we have, all the blessings that we have in Christ, of who he is, who he truly is, in Christ. And that's something that we can pray for one another. We can pray that at any time. If you're stuck for something to pray when you're praying for someone or when you're praying for your church family, just pray for the sharing of our faith, that it would be effective. Pray that we would grow in our knowledge of who God is. Pray that we would grow in our appreciation of all that we have in Christ and the blessings that we have in him. The next part of the passage gets into Paul's appeal to Philemon. 
It deals with his request, and it turns out that Onesimus is a runaway slave. He's someone who uh, deserted his master. He rebelled against him, possibly stole from him, and then he legged it. He ran as far away as he could, as far away as he could get from his master. But amazingly, as far, when he got as far away as he could, God met with him there. It tells us that uh, verse, <coughs> excuse me, the verse that tells us that Anesimus has become a Christian while Paul was in prison. And then tells us in verse 16 that Paul now wants Philemon to receive him back as more than a slave. He wants to receive him back as a beloved brother now that he's a Christian. I wonder, can you believe that? Paul's already written about slaves and masters in his letter to Colossians. And Philemon would have heard that letter. He's part of that church. He hosts part of that church. In Colossians 4 verse 1, Paul says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. But here in his personal letter, which was delivered by Anesimus as well, Paul's going further. He's asking Philemon to forgive a slave who's wronged him. Now this was different to the, the regular practice of the day. If your slave ran away from you, if the slave stole from you, then the punishment was severe and it was often punished by death. In fact, I read the story as I was preparing for this uh, message. Uh, I read a story of a, a wealthy Roman who was murdered by one of his slaves. And during the trial, the, the prosecution argued that all his slaves should be put to death for the crime of this one. And the prosecution won, so all 400 were put to death to be an example to other slaves that you should not mistreat your master, that you shouldn't run away, that you shouldn't do any wrong. So Paul is asking Philemon to do something pretty countercultural here. He's asking him to do something pretty unnatural to how society worked. He's asking him to forgive Anesimus. In fact, to top it off, Paul's also saying, receive him back as if you were receiving me. I wonder how you would feel if you were Philemon being asked to do this. What would be your response? Don't have to shout it out. <laughs> you can just think about it. No way, Paul. This slave stole from me, ran away from me, maybe embarrassed me by doing so. I'm hurt. In fact, I'm pointing out heart, I'm angry. I'm bitter about it. This slave deserves the punishment. Other people expect me to punish this slave. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, forgiving people can be tough. Sometimes they've hurt us. Sometimes they've hurt us badly. We find it hard to move on. Sometimes they've They've wronged us. Sometimes it's been unfair and, and we want justice to be done. Sometimes we're angry. And sometimes we can hold on to the hurt that's been done against us for a long time. And, and sometimes we can, we can do that. We can hold on to that hurt in order to justify how angry we feel about it. Sometimes the person never says sorry. 
You know, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had some words to teach about this subject of forgiveness. He taught during his Sermon on the Mount, and he said this, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. This is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. If your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled. You know, these are strong words from Jesus and probably words that we don't maybe want to think about too much. But Jesus is saying that failing to reconcile yourself with one another affects our relationship with God. It actually can prevent us from truly worshiping him. You see, our behavior towards other people, our relationships with one another, these things are not separate from our relationship with God. Our relationship with God now determines how we behave in those relationships with others. If we look back at Paul's letter to the Colossians, we read in chapter 3, verses 11 to 14, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, in verse 11, there is no distinction between any of us anymore. Verse 12 tells us that if we are God's people, then we have to have compassionate hearts. In verse 13, God's people are to forgive. Well, why? Because God's forgiven us. He's forgiven us of all the wrongs that we committed against him. And so if you know that you've been forgiven, then hopefully you can extend forgiveness to others. Verse 14 it explains that we should put on love, almost like a, like a coat around us. These are now the qualities that should characterize our lives as Christians. Do they? Do these qualities characterize your life? Do these qualities come into play when we're faced with this tough challenge of forgiving one another and being reconciled to one another? Because there's another challenge here in this letter, isn't there? Do Do we forgive out of compulsion? Or do we forgive out of compassion? Paul could have written this letter to Philemon and told him what to do. He even says that in the letter. I could tell you what to do. But do you remember his prayer? His prayer is this, that Philemon would come to know and understand who he is in Christ and what he's obtained through Christ and then respond out of that. We have uh, three boys and, and fights are a daily occurrence in our house. Happens every day. And when one has hurt another, I tell them, Joel, say sorry to your brother. If you don't apologize, there'll be consequences. It's not a great 
way of working. It's not exactly a heartfelt response when Joel goes, I'm sorry. There's been no soul searching. There's no compassion. There's no love. It's just simply, I want a snack later on. If I don't say sorry now, I'll not get it. But our reconciliation towards one another, it, it shouldn't be like that. Forced, that feeling of being under duress. Really, it should be this overflow out of our lives of knowing what God has done for us and the grace and mercy that now defines the relationship that we share with God. That should be evident in the relationship that we have with others. One final thing to say. I don't know if you noticed Paul's offer to Philemon in verses 18 to 19. He says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And what in verse 19 that means is Paul took the pen from uh, Timothy who was with him, who had been writing, and he takes it and he writes it in his own hand. I will repay it. He's not just asking Philemon to forgive. He, he does go further. Paul goes further. He offers to repay whatever Anismus owes to him. He says, charge it to me. Don't charge it to him. And I think in a small way, that's a, a picture, a reminder to us of what Christ has done, isn't it? Because in reconciling us to God, he has done that. He has taken the debt that we owed. It says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, in a way, we are all like Anesimus. We've all rebelled. We've all done wrong. And we've all ran up a debt. But ours isn't against another person. Our debt is before God. But now Christ stands in the gap. And he speaks to God on our behalf, just as Paul wrote on Onesimus' behalf to Philemon. Christ now stands in that gap and says to God, put the debt on me. That punishment that was due for our rebellion, Christ took it on himself. He has paid that debt so that we can have God's forgiveness, so that we can be reconciled to him, so that God can welcome us into his presence. Thank the Lord for that wonderful truth. If that's not you this morning, I, I pray that you would come to know that forgiveness that's being offered through Christ. Well, to finish, Paul was sure that Philemon would do the right thing. He says this, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. You know, will that be said of us? The letter to Philemon, indeed written to the whole church at that time, but also to us, kept for us, shows that being a Christian is not just about being reconciled with God. Being a Christian transforms our relationships with one another and how we treat each other. So for you and me today, 
Will we be obedient? Will we show forgiveness to others just as we have been shown forgiveness? Who is it that you need to, you need to be reconciled to? Maybe as we've looked at God's word together, God has brought to mind someone that you need to fix things with. The Holy Spirit has brought them before you and placed them on your heart. And really this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? We know what God's word says, but are we now going to be obedient to it? So before I pray, I'm just going to give a few moments of quiet for you to talk with God, to give you a moment to ask him to help you apply the truth of what we've been studying this morning and help you apply it to your life. So let's just do that now. Lord God, that person that you have brought to our mind, or maybe more than one person, God, who we know that we need to fix things with, that we need to be reconciled with, that we need to forgive. God, it's going to be hard. God, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be tough for us. God, would you give us your Holy Spirit in abundance? God, would you give us the strength God, give us the courage to be obedient to your word. God, we thank you that you've forgiven me. God, we thank you that the debt I owe to you, God, that Christ has paid, and God, that you've forgiven me of of a much greater offense to you than, than what others have done to me. God, would you help me in my life to be, to allow that relationship that I have with you to determine and affect my relationship with others. God, for those who are here this morning who are seeking forgiveness, God, who are seeking forgiveness from you, God, I pray that you would call them into that relationship with you. God, by your Holy Spirit, would you save them? God, would you help them to put their faith and trust in Christ and to know that he has paid that debt and made that forgiveness possible. God, the words of that hymn of Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. God, my sin had left a crimson stain, but he has washed it white as snow. God, we thank you for your forgiveness made possible through Christ. God, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. Help us, we pray as your people. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.